studying consistently and keeping up to date and actually remembering your content after the exam is done is pretty tricky. I know a lot of us probably do just study for exams and in the end, it's all knowledge that we need to know. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Dental Head Start podcast. My name's Erica Huyen and we're here again with another feature interview. Now I know it's been a little bit of time since we last had a feature. Unfortunately, we didn't have one for May, but we did put out a special edition extended What I Wish I Knew with Bipesh Kapli on tax and what on earth that is. So for all our keen listeners, I hope you enjoyed that little segment. But we are now back to our regularly scheduled programming and I have a super special feature interview because I was greedy. And I have three guests joining me who are fellow students from all around Australia. For those that don't know, I'm a final year dental student at the University of Sydney. And in this episode, I am joined with a fellow classmate, Anushka Fernando, Joanne Ling from La Trobe University and Richard Zhu from the University of Queensland. I think when we're going through dental school, all we really know is just what we're given. But I'm sure we're all curious about what goes on at different universities, you know, what other people are learning, what the culture is like. And so I thought it'd be really fun to get, you know, a few different perspectives from different students around Australia involved with various committees and activities. And I honestly could have spent the whole evening just listening and chatting with these guys. I often tell people that sometimes it's actually a little lonely on the side of the microphone because I have no idea who's out there listening. We're super fortunate and I'm so grateful that we have over a thousand people tuning into every episode and that blows my mind because I don't think I know a thousand people in real life. But, you know, whether you've been tuning in from the very beginning and watching us grow, or if this is your very first episode, a big warm welcome to the family. And honestly, thank you all so much for your support. You hear us say it time and time again, but our mission at Dental Head Start is to help students and new grads become the best dentists that they can be. And so I guess a big reason for this episode is that I wanted to hear it from you guys. And so I'm really grateful to have had Anushka, Richard and Joanne join me on this episode to share their experience and thoughts and to help me out a little bit but I'd really like to extend the invitation to the rest of you as well and so if there's anything you'd like to say or even if you just want to pop in and say hello please don't be a stranger you can find our social handles all in the show notes I'd honestly really love to just have a chat with that all being said go grab yourselves a cup of tea wind down wherever you're tuning in from and join us for this feature interview where we dive into the perspective of a dental student and we hear about Anushka, Richard and Joanne's backgrounds coming into dentistry all the wonderful things they've been a part of their tips for younger students and what the future looks like for them this was such a fun conversation and so i hope you all enjoy it as much as i did Hello everyone and welcome to the Dental Head Start podcast. Now today I'm very excited because I'm switching things up a little bit and I'm joined by three very lovely friends who also happen to be final year dental students from various universities across Australia. And so I guess by way of introduction, I might, you know, shout out everyone a little bit. You want to say hi, Richard Zhu from UQ. Hello. Anushka Fernando from University of Sydney. Hello. And Joanne Ling from Latrobe. Hi. There's a lot of content that I want to dive into today, but I think, you know, as a bit of an icebreaker or to get things started, um, I did give you guys all a little bit of homework. <laughs> <laughs> If you guys remember to do that. Um, and I thought maybe we'll go through one by one. And I want you guys to perhaps like introduce yourselves, uh, perhaps 
on, we kind of already said what uni you're at, but perhaps where you're based at the moment, if you're on placement. And um, your homework question is, if you were a fruit, what fruit would you be? Which is a great question. <laughs> Joanne, do you want <laughs> yeah, Joanne, did you want to start off? Um, so I am a final year dental student at La Trobe. Um, I'm originally from Melbourne, so I'm living there at the moment and I'm on placement in Melton, which is about one hour away from Melbourne. Um, next semester, we swap rotations every six months. So next semester, I'll be in Ballarat for the next six months, which I'm really excited about. If I were a fruit, <laughs> any fruit, this actually took a while um, for me to think about. I think it'd be I'd be a cherry if I would be any fruit because I am very big on sleep and um, cherries actually increase your melatonin levels. So that's me. Do they actually? Yeah. No, that's so, so interesting. Struggling to fall asleep. Milk is also really good for that, but cherries as well. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. I mean, milk makes sense, but for all the lactose intolerant people out there, I guess cherries <laughs> right. is a good alternative. <laughs> An expensive oh, but good alternative. <laughs> Anushka, did you want to go next? Have you thought of uh, a little bit? Yeah, no, I thought about it, but I forgot about it for a moment. <laughs> um, but I did, I think I, I sort of think that I resonate well with a grape, probably because I like my wine as well. <laughs> but um, I think grapes are quite a versatile fruit. It um, adapts quite well when I, I consider myself someone that adapts um, pretty well to different situations. So that's why I chose the grape as representing me. Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, grapes, you know, you can have raisins, you can have wine. So, like you said, lots of different uses. Anushka, do you want to tell us like where you're based at the moment? Yeah. So or where you're I, originally from and where you're based? Yeah. So I am um, from Melbourne originally. I grew up in Sri Lanka, actually, and I moved to Australia when I was um, 13. And I moved to Melbourne and um, spent a couple of years there. And I've moved to Sydney for studying dentistry in 2019. So currently I'm based in Sydney. Um, and I love it. And we uh, are based at a couple of different hospitals. So we're at Sydney Dental, Nepean, and Westmead Centre for Oral Health as well. I haven't yet gone on my rural placement, which is going to be sometime in August, I believe. Do you know where you're going yet? Um, no, but I've been told it could be Ballina because it's an eight-people rotation. So I'm hoping it's Ballina because I've heard good things about it. Um, but I think, yeah, anywhere rural should hopefully be a good experience for us because we haven't had that yet. And I haven't actually ever had the experience of living rurally, so that would be really nice as well. Yeah. No, that should be something to look forward to. Mm, and how about you, Richard? Where are you based at the moment, where you're from, and what fruit would you be? Well, that fruit question is a tricky one. Um, so I'm from Brisbane. I was born and raised in Brisbane, um, currently studying at UQ uh, in my final year. And uh, yeah, I'm going away on placement soon, actually this week, to St. George for a couple of months. Um, yeah, I'm re- pretty excited for that one and I uh, hope to see a lot of stuff out there. Um, I've also never lived rurally, uh, but yeah, very keen for that experience. Um, in terms of fruits... I don't know. I feel like it's it's tricky to pick one, but I, I really like durian. And oh, yum. No. Durian. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I guess mixed opinions on durian, like a lot of people. Smells really bad. Yeah, but it tastes good. It tastes I was really like. Good. <laughs> but, yeah, I think once you get past, like, that exterior, nice gooey inside, <laughs> pretty sweet. Yeah. Love yeah, it. I, oh, I, I was like going to say, Richard, is that is that – 
is that have people told you that perhaps you don't smell so good sometimes? <laughs> Look, I, I'm scared. I'm always scared. That's my biggest fear of having like bad breath when I'm talking to someone. But yeah, nobody's, yeah. nobody's told me I, I'm stinky or anything. <laughs> oh, well, I think much like Durian is that if you have an avid fan, like you're the people who like you are very avid um, supporters of it, right? Which I think judging from all the nods in this conversation, I think we all are fans of Durian. <laughs> I think it's also very... I was going to say, it's very unique as well. It's not something you can find very easily. So I think it's a good one to resonate with. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like this little fruit salad combination. I think you guys will be very, very interesting responses to it. Um, I think just to be fair and to, you know, also not just be the one asking it, um, I actually have my, I'll, I'll do my little introduction as well. And I guess for any of our listeners that are tuning in for the first time who have no idea who I am, my name's Erica. I'm also from Sydney, well, studying at Sydney, but I'm actually originally from Melbourne as well. So I guess that makes three quarters of us originally from Melbourne. Um, studying in Sydney, so being here, and this is my fourth year here. Same as Anushka, I haven't done rural placement yet, but we'll hopefully be doing that next semester. No idea where I'm going, excited for it. Um, and if I were a fruit, um, I think I'd be a lychee. <laughs> and my reason for it is that I think initially I'm a little bit, I don't know, small, unassuming, a little bit reserved, but it doesn't really take too much to kind of just poke me a little bit. <laughs> and then if you poke me hard enough, I'm a bit of an explosion and all my friends will say I'm a mess and I don't know, hopefully a little bit sweet. So that's my fruit. <laughs> Introductions aside, um, I think what I can get is that we all come from very different backgrounds and we've all kind of come into dentistry from perhaps different um, yeah, things beforehand. And a reflection of that is that our universities all have a bit of a different structure. From what I know, like Sydney is a postgrad degree, whereas UQ and La Trobe are both undergrad degrees. And so what did you guys all do before dentistry? Like was dentistry always the goal or did you do something, did you pursue something beforehand? Joanne, did you want to start off with that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, just thinking about my backstory, it seems like a long time ago, <laughs> but um, originally I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had kind of um, discounted dentistry because I thought that I probably wasn't smart enough to get into dent, <laughs> but I was looking for a job that really was hands-on um, and that I could, I didn't have a lot to take home. One of my big passions um, is volunteer work. So I was looking for something where I could go overseas or go to areas that need it and provide um, volunteer work with the skills that I have. Um, and dentistry was one of the jobs that um, could help me pursue that goal and I kind of went into dentistry on a whim. Um, I was accepted into La Trobe as an early um, graduate, an early offer, um, into the early offer program and they essentially gave me a place at the university um, before I sat my year 12 ATA. That's amazing. Wow. So, yeah, that was a lot of stress um, sort of off my shoulders and um, I was able to just really focus on honing in on what I, finding out what I wanted to do. Um, and, yeah, it was it was a real blur, um, but I chose dentistry and I never looked back. Honestly, I can't see myself doing anything else. 
Um, I'm such a big fan of of the work we get to do and uh, seeing all these different patients um, and every day is is different. I I just love that. That's amazing. Oh, definitely, I'm sure I'm sure that kind of took a lot of a lot of the weight off your shoulders just knowing that you had a guaranteed entry into something that's you know you know quite impressive. Um, you know, whilst everyone else is stressing out really over the VC <laughs> or you know whatever equivalent of it. Um, that's really great. I'm glad you're enjoying it, Jerry. How about you, Anushka? Was dentistry always your goal? Did you come into this straight away? Or you would have done an undergrad beforehand as well. Right? Yeah, that's right. So I um, started mm-hmm. off in Melbourne doing – I wanted to get into medicine, actually. I was one of those people. Um, I wanted yeah, to get into medicine. Same. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so much better. It, it really is. I agree. I agree as well. <laughs> I have not looked back. I genuinely haven't looked back. Um yeah, so I wanted to do med and so I did undergrad um, biomed at Monash in 2013 and I sort of um, did my three years there. still wanted to do medicine, did my honours year, um, volunteered as well. I was really big on volunteering back in Melbourne and um, wanted to just get more exposure into the into the area and I loved hospitals. I was a weird person, really loved the hospitals. It excited me <laughs> and um, so, and I also did some work afterwards. I worked at um, Monash Health and Alfred Health for two years um, as a patient experience coordinator. So I sort of enjoyed that really, um, really, really um, thoroughly and uh, it kind of reiterated why I wanted to go into the healthcare field. Um, dentistry was not something I considered until actually I visited Sydney one year um, for a med- medicine information night at the University of Sydney and I met up with a friend of mine who was studying dentistry here. She was in her second year and we caught up for dinner and she sort of said, Anushka, why don't you just go for the dentistry information night? It's very similar to what you're looking for. And, and I said, well, I haven't really thought about dentistry, but let's let's go and see what it's like. I went and I sort of, everything that was spoken at that night really resonated with me. And I thought, this is exactly what I want out of a career as well. And I thought, I'll apply for it, see how I go. Got in um, after I applied. I only applied for Sydney. That was the caveat because I was applying for medicine and I only ended up applying for dentistry in Sydney. Got in and have not looked back. I've really enjoyed it. It has been really challenging, I think, um, coming into a different state, you know, away from family and friends and everything as well. But it's just been such an incredible journey in the last four years. Um, And I've, yeah, really enjoyed it. Have not looked back. Anushka, I didn't know you were a patient coordinator. Like, what kind? What did that entail? And like, did you learn much from that experience? Uh, it was patient experience coordinator. So it was actually, yeah, very relevant. I would say I didn't think that would add an A value. It? Like, what does it mean? Because I have no idea what that means. <laughs> it was a bit of a, you know, I'll tell you. This. So after you graduate biomed, I was kind of just like, what can you apply for as a job? Because biomed, everyone makes it not big, much. <laughs> yeah, everyone makes a huge, yeah. Know, thing about it oh you know do it and I'm like what can you go into aside from medicine um and I sort of came across this job very randomly it was a position at Monash Health and what they essentially do is they have a team which looks after each patient experience coordinator gets allocated um three hospitals at Monash Health and what you do is you essentially work with the hospital sites to figure out um government government does surveys every year in terms of um healthcare experience with patients so you Government takes that responses, analyzes it, sends that back to Monash Health, and we we take that data and we figure out ways to improve patient experience at the hospitals. So that was really good. So you'd come back with things like you know communication on discharge being poor, or like the way that treatment plans were discussed with patients being poor, and you kind of um, implement initiatives at the hospitals that you um, are allocated responsibility at, and you got to see a whole other perspective of how 
patients' feedback to hospitals and how you can better improve the systems in the hospital. So that was really good. You know, that's one of those jobs that I feel like is such a niche job that people don't know about until you meet someone who did that job and you're like, wow, this existed. And then you realize how important something like a job like that is. It's just, you know, you work so endlessly behind the scenes. No one knows you do it, but it's so critical to just the overall running of the whole system. Yeah, it was really very insightful. The reason why I was hating on <laughs> biomed a little bit as well was because I came from a similar background. Mm. I did my undergraduate um, <laughs> degree in biomedicine, but at Melbourne. So you were at Monash, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did three years of biomedicine ah, at Melbourne and then came amazing. to Sydney, like straight from that into Dent. Um, but yeah, once you graduate with biomed, it's like, what do you do? Everyone hypes it up, but there's there's not much you can do with no. it. <laughs> Um, how about you Richard what is your what's your background then um so I guess my story begins a bit like before high school so as a kid I had some pretty bad teeth like I I think I just drank too much soft drink probably um and yeah I I went to the dentist a lot because of a lot of you know tooth pain and um I guess I was quite familiar with being a patient and um, luckily, I, I went to a good dentist, so I wasn't really like traumatized or anything growing up. Um, in fact, I was more kind of like interested in in the field. I, I got braces when I was about like 12, 11 or 12. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, this is a cool job. Like, I wouldn't mind working in, in <laughs> like, as an orthodontist. Um, so I guess from that point, I think dentistry was on my mind a lot as some like a job I would really enjoy working in. Um, and I think I've just always really enjoyed like biology or like learning about the human body. So I think dentistry is kind of like a good combination of being able to apply like biology and like use your hands and interact with patients. So yeah, it's it's um, a really good field. I think that um, I think I'm glad I'm in. Um, I didn't initially get into dentistry though. Uh, so coming out of grade 12, I put it down as my preference, but um unfortunately didn't get in so I, I did two years of electrical engineering at UQ um that, that was a bit oh, of a struggle wow. so yeah I'm not I'm not the greatest at like maths and that kind of logical thinking in terms of like numbers um so looking back on it I'm surprised that I actually didn't fail anything <laughs> but um yeah I, I sat the UMAT a couple more times and eventually got into dent yeah yeah why did you why did you choose electrical engineering as opposed to perhaps like more of like a general health science degree or? Yeah, um, I guess you mentioned it like earlier about biomed. I don't want to like hate on biomed, but I think at Please, the time yeah, I, no. was, I was thinking <laughs> By like, all means. yeah, I was like thinking to myself, if I do graduate and don't ever make it into dentistry, I, I just want like a stable sort of income. Um, but also my dad's an engineer, so I think he kind of, inspired me a little bit to follow that pathway um to be honest I'm not sure if I should have listened to that um because I never really had a passion for it and I think yeah as long as you have uh, have a passion for a field then you're in the right field Richard has a very good I think like a classic um dental story where like you know you had a kind of I guess a role model or someone that really inspired you and like hey dentistry is cool whereas I think the rest of us kind of like fell into dentistry at various stages and I was going to ask like whilst growing up was there a moment where like you know someone influenced you or did you have a role model or a dentist who you saw and was just like wow like I want to do that or did you kind of just start the degree and then kind of decide you liked it as you went through it was definitely the latter for me um 
so my family, my mum is an engineer as well, actually. She's a petroleum engineer. Now she owns a business. Um, my dad is in IT and my sisters are both accountants. So a lot of desk oh, jobs, a lot very of different. <laughs> computer jobs. Yeah. Um, I saw them take home a lot of work as well. Um, they're very busy just because they're all extremely smart. I don't know what happened with me but yep. um, <laughs> <So> humble <laughs> oh no I just saw that and I thought I want something hands-on I don't want to be sitting at a desk looking at a computer screen all day I want to see people and I want to talk to people and I want to um yeah do do things with my hands um and that's it I just kind of fell into dentistry and I thought this is the perfect job <laughs> How about you, Anushka? Did you have any like role models at any point or even actually not even pre-dentistry, but like I guess throughout the degree, have you just you know met someone or been influenced by any people in particular? I think definitely haven't known anyone who's a dentist. So my both my parents are bankers and my brother is an engineer. So definitely very yeah, different. Sounds very similar to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I think dentistry for me, like I really admire people who um, – are able to manage directly women. I think dentistry was very enticing for me because I want to have a family one day, hopefully, and I think that also allows for a bit of work-life balance. And I'm glad that I fell into dentistry. Um, as much as I love the field of medicine and I would have loved to obviously have that opportunity as well if, if that's what life took, where life took me, I'm very grateful to be here because I think it allows for a lot more work-life balance, which I really think that I'll value later on down the track as well as women. I think it's so fascinating just hearing like the different backgrounds that everyone has kind of come from um I don't know I think I picked a good I picked a good bunch hey (laughs) of people from differing backgrounds different inspirations I kind of wanted to dive a little bit into I guess now just our degrees because um I think for all of us we're obviously at different universities aside from me and Anushka I cheated a little bit we're at the same uni (laughs) um but I don't know, aside, we don't really know what we don't know. Like what we're surrounded by is the norm. And even just, you know, for having some conversations with Joe or Richard, I'm just like, well, like you guys do things very differently to how we do it at Sydney, for example. And I'm sure a lot of our other listeners who, you know, went through their degrees are also in a similar boat where you're just a little bit curious about what other people went through. And so perhaps I kind of wanted to go around and could you kind of give me perhaps a little rundown of, let's start off with, just like the structure of your degree and maybe Richard you could start off and start this off for us but you know how many years is your degree and perhaps like the breakdown of you know how long do you do pre-clinic or sim clinic for and then when do you start seeing patients when do you go on placement your didactic content like that kind of stuff I know that's a lot but why don't you give us a bit of an overview yeah so um dentistry at UQ is an undergraduate degree So it's a five-year course and um, the first year you're basically just learning about like basic biology and like chemistry, a bit of dental basics. And then in second year, or in first year, you also do get to work on like your friends. So we have a like a peer clinic. So we get to like practice probing and uh, hand washing and like wiping down the chairs and stuff. Um, (laughs) The important stuff, right? (laughs) And then in second year... um, we, we learn about like head and neck anatomy. It gets a bit more like dentally focused in terms of content. Um, we start doing more preclinical stuff. So um, you get more like practice on drilling on like plastic teeth and things like that. And in third year, that's when we start seeing patients in our clinic. So uh, at UQ, 
we have the the campus is called the Oral Health Center, and um, basically in or we call it preclinic, but sim clinic, um, we get to like practice our skills, and then that's all run by UQ itself. But as soon as we get into clinic, it's actually run by uh, Metro North, which is part of like the Queensland Health um, Department. So our clinics are kind of under different management compared to Sim Clinic, um, which is yeah, which is pretty interesting. From third year, you just start seeing patients, so building that confidence and um, doing like scaling cleans, one ones, pretty basic stuff. <laughs> fourth year, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, fourth year you start seeing a bit more stuff so like more endo um we get to do fixed pros and yeah fifth year uh, in fourth year you still have sim clinic um still have some assessment there but then in fifth year we it's just clinic only and you guys don't have any lecture content in fifth year is that yeah um it's strange Uh, i think because i was talking to erica before and she told me that she still gets lectures and i was like oh it's pretty interesting um so yeah we don't really have many lectures in fifth year we do get like a few throughout the year but not any structured sort of like week one week two yeah um so it's pretty chill in fifth year pretty cruisy but you you do have to do your own study because there are like vivas and oskies yeah Mm. yeah no richard and i off 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 podcast i was gonna say off camera i don't know (laughs) we're we're kind of bickering about it because i was like you don't have lectures he's like nah and then both of us were seeing it as very much like a grass is greener (laughs) on the other side i'm like how great would it be to not have lectures he's like i wish we had lectures but richard i wanted to build on that like if you don't have lectures you were saying you have to do a lot of your own learning like how do you keep up with i guess your theoretical knowledge this year when you're essentially kind of working um would you say or like interning in some sort of sense like what do you do outside of clinic then this year yeah that's a really good question um I think for the first like few months of clinic I just didn't have the energy to really go go to clinic all day and then come home and study so I think um I was actually having a bit of like burnout almost um just because I was so tired and trying to balance a few things it was yeah really a bit of a struggle um but I think once I started changing my sleep schedule and waking up a bit earlier and trying to get get a grasp on the morning, um, it, it did make a big difference. And um, basically to self-study, I would go through like my old lectures and it's really surprising how much content I didn't really like know the importance of back in the day. So um, I think it's definitely worth like revising all the like first year content, second year content. Um, and then also just, I think I've been getting more into the habit of like reading academic papers and um, just on topics that I'm interested in, I think it's probably um, a, a good habit to get into just for the future as well, because I think we'll all be reading papers at some point. And yeah, it's, it can be very informative and more up to date than some of our lecture content, because, you know, it's always changing. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's a good way to keep on top of what's happening, I suppose, in the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have our role model superstar student here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, and in contrast. I think it's interesting. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's very interesting because it's, you know, I think oftentimes when we have a set curriculum and you're doing lectures because you have to or because there's, you know, what I'm doing right now because we have exams in like two weeks and Nushka and I are both yeah. like, oh, so many lectures to go through. Thank you. But it's like you're studying for the purpose of passing an exam. But I think, you know, once the examination kind of gets taken away, your studying is really 
because or driven by your own interests. And I think if anything, like you've kind of pointed out, Richard, you have a bit more of an appreciation for it because you're searching for information, not because you need to pass an exam, but because you genuinely want to improve yourself or you're curious about things. Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Although I will say I, I'm not always glued to my my laptop or my textbooks. Uh, I, I do like to do stuff outside of uni, but I think that drive to to be more involved with my studies was probably born more out of necessity. I'm sure everyone here has probably experienced um, some sort of impact from COVID. And uh, for us, at least in my third year, we had, I think, two weeks where we saw patients for the very first time. And then after that, we, we just got hit with the, the lockdowns for a long time. And during that lockdown period, I think I really had some extra downtime to think about how I had been studying and how I approached learning up until that point. Um, I think before I had just been cramming every exam season and I think it, it was really hard for me to carry knowledge over between different semesters. Um, I know from engineering, it was particularly true because I wasn't really enjoying the content I was studying. So I would get more and more lost <laughs> by by the time I was two years into the degree. I felt like I, I knew nothing. Um, so I think I needed to, I, I think I needed to uh, switch it up in dentistry. And I'm really glad that I did because um, I think there's so much content out there to know and it's all very relevant for us and and at the end of the day we're treating patients so all of our knowledge is for for the betterment of our patients and yeah of course there's there's only so much that studying um, textbooks and papers and whatnot can do for us um, to prepare us for clinic it's it's a completely different ball game out there I think my advice is just to go speak to supervisors because there's so many wise dentists out there and so many helpful people that are willing to just um, show you what they've experienced and what works for them. It benefits your patients as well. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Jay, you were going to jump in before because I think you had some thoughts where you were like, oh, in contrast, <laughs> what, is your, what would you say like, you know, your perspective is or your experience has been over the last five years? Well, actually, at La Trobe, we have a very similar layout to what Richard described. Um, first year and second year are in preclinic. I remember in first year, we were trying to perfect a two by two millimeter hole in one tooth. Um trying to get the angulation of the burr right, indirect vision and everything. We'd be doing perio as well in preclinic. Um, and in second year, we progressed to the different types of cavity preparations. Um, and in third year, that's when you start seeing patients as well. We start off in the Bendigo Clinic. So all our placement is rural because our university is in a rural area and we're um, it's part of a government um, initiative to get more healthcare workers out in rural areas. So we start off in the Bendigo Clinic um, and we see patients while, while doing lots of lectures. Uh, that's generally our hardest year, third year. Um, and we, our, our year level was actually really lucky because that's when COVID hit. And we were forced to stay at home, um, unfortunately, but it meant that, you know, the hours of lectures that we had, we would have, oh, I think like full days, so eight hours of lectures every day for five days a week. Um, and it was, it was very intense. So um, we're very glad that um, we got that time out just to rest in between. And 
when we did go back to clinic, which was the end of third year for us, usually it would be throughout the year, um, we felt more prepared to see patients and we didn't have that stress of trying to juggle um, all these lectures and hours of work and assignments with um, seeing patients for the first time. So I thought that was really, that was a bit of a COVID blessing for us. Um, and fourth year is similar, but we're sent out to different areas. We go to different rural placements for fourth year, but we also have lectures on at night. And it's a similar structure for fifth year. So in both of those years, we have clinic during the day, so about 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and then lectures from about 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. generally. So it's a busy wow. schedule for us in fourth that and fifth year. Uh, but definitely sounds full on. Yeah, it is. It is. We we thought our eight AMs and five PMs were bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, and think before I move on to you, Anushka, is I think something that differs, I guess, for you, Joanne, is that you guys are rural based. And mm. so, is that throughout your entire degree? And then, like, are you guys mainly based in Bendigo, or I think you may have mentioned that before, or do you travel around the rest of Victoria much? And I guess, what do you think? Like, how do you think the rural experience is kind of shaped? Because you guys have never really worked in Melbourne, really. Like, how do you feel like that's kind of shaped your dental experience? That's it. Well, that's a really good question um, because if you had asked me in first year or before I started first year, or even first and second year of my university, uh, if you've asked me, would you be willing to practice rurally? Uh, the answer would be no, straight out no. Um, I just, I guess I didn't know anything about rural areas and I didn't know what it entailed. I'm from Melbourne, um, so I guess I was very used to a big city um, and I didn't really know what working rurally would feel like or be like. Um, and to me, I guess it seemed kind of isolating uh, and just, just different. But our university, uh, the campus is in Bendigo. So we have lived there for three years. Um, last year, I was li living in Ballarat all year for my placement. And this year, very lucky to be living at home for six months, but I'll be going back to Ballarat um, next month, actually. So that's the sort of structure it is. Um, usually you have more varied placements, but because of... Um, because I'm a special case, I am staying in Ballarat this year as well. Um, I have also had the opportunity to work at different clinics in Melbourne. From what I gather and from what I've seen, it's quite rural and um, metro clinics are quite similar, actually. And if, if you asked me if I wanted to work rurally this year, I would, I would generally consider it. Um, I'd be very open to it, actually, and I, I think just being immersed in that rural environment has really, I guess, broadened our scope of seeing patients and um, their different pre presentations, different backgrounds, and language barriers, and all the things that come with. Um, seeing people outside of a large city where there's lots of um, equipment, I guess, and um, things available in rural areas, there's not as much as that and there's more, I guess, adaptation um, and it's it's more exciting and more fun as well. 
um, it gives it gives you a good challenge seeing rural pa- um, patients. You're probably giggling when we were all doing our introductions at the beginning and the three of us are like, we haven't gone on rural, we're excited to go on rural. <laughs> you guys will love it. You guys will really love it. Yeah. Oh, no, that's interesting. And I kind of want to dive into a little bit more, perhaps later later on um, about your thoughts on just, you know, after graduation, like, you know, where you want to work. But we'll perhaps touch on that a little bit later. Um it's interesting because I think, like you said, Joe, you and Richard, like you guys, your undergrad degrees are quite similar in the overall structure. I think Anushka and I come from a very different um, experience because we come from a postgrad degree. So both of us would have done our undergrads. And even though we were both teasing biomed, I think it helped us out a lot <laughs> in did. terms of our medical science. So I do appreciate as traumatizing as it was it was <laughs> very helpful for us Anushka do you want to talk us through yeah like what your thoughts and your experience was I definitely agree I think the basics and the foundation that um, biomedicine light laid down for us was quite good in terms of getting that first year you're not coming in with no absolutely no knowledge at all um, and I suppose everyone's kind of in that same boat as well there are people who entered into dentistry at UCID um from a variety of backgrounds, we've got physios, we've got musicians, we've got architects, like all these different kinds of students. So there, it is. Um, and it's amazing how quickly people also adapt into something like dentistry. You know, we find it difficult even from a science background, but it was amazing to see how well people fit in and how well people adapt coming from a completely different environment as well. Um, so I suppose in first year, um, we're very lucky. We are pretty much in simulation clinics from day one. Um, and we sort of start drilling, as Joe, you touched on earlier, two by two prep, um, one in plastic tooth. And I think students get really honed in on that and trying to do well there. But it is it is good practice. I think it builds on your fine motor skills really, really well um, from day one. You might be really bad, and I was <laughs> on day one. Um, <laughs> Red straight away, right? <laughs> right into the pot. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and um, the dentoprac. I don't know if you guys have this, but we have this thing called dentoprac oh, yes. from one. Yep. We oh, have yeah. That. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little, um, it looks little, little looks like a little triangle it's called a dentoprac um, and essentially what they do is it's got three layers in, in in shapes so like you've got a little love heart for example it has to go through three layers enamel dentine and pulp and it's like you, you it's testing how well you can control your motor skills to be able to not hit the red <laughs> so <laughs> it took time but i think um it was interesting to be able to build on that um, skill over time as well. It took me a long time in first year to be able to get something looking relatively good. <laughs> um, but in terms of timing, so yeah, first year we spent majority of majority of our times in simulation clinics. So we get exposure into like tooth conservation, which is just your drills and fills. You get periodontic clinics, simulation clinics as well, where you do your perio work and get um, a really good foundation there as well. Um, and amidst all this, we do have some tutorials. We have a component called Integrated Life Sciences, um, again, PTSD, but <laughs> we pretty much, <laughs> Erica knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, Tell us more. Um, <laughs> and pretty much you have 10 blocks where you follow the med students' um, uh, blocks that they study. So you do like MSK, RUSK cardio, all that in as a 10 block that the med students do on top of your dentistry work On well. top of dentistry. Yeah. Mm. So that's really, really fun. Um, do you get to mingle with them? Like no. Med students? It's, it's, oh. it's all the- in first year, 
in first year we did a little bit. We had some lectures with them. We never befriended anyone. No. It was just we had lectures <laughs> together. And then once COVID hit, everything, everything was online. Everything was online anyway, yeah. And then we started yeah. seeing recordings. Um, but, yeah, that was really overwhelming, I think, being able to manage both um, because dentistry in itself obviously is new information and then you've got the whole chunk of medical um, information that comes in as well. Um, and then second year was when COVID hit, obviously. So we sort of went in for a couple of weeks, um, I think one or two weeks maybe, and then we went into lockdown. March 24th. Oh, okay. Yeah. Monday, actually, <laughs> funny story. What happened with me was I went home for a weekend um, for mom's birthday. It was the 20th of March. And um, yeah. I remember I told my friends at college and I was like, I'm not coming, but I'm coming back on Monday. And they're like, you're not coming back. Like the country's going to shut down. I was like, okay, cool. Went to Melbourne, did not come back for four months. So um same yeah <laughs> that happened same thing for me it was like oh March 24th and it was the whole like oh we're gonna go into lockdown and I was like okay I'll go down to Melbourne for like two weeks because I don't want to be on my own in Sydney <laughs> for two weeks two weeks becomes like four or five four months, months. Right? yeah crazy very yeah. grateful but yeah crazy um and so even in those four months actually we had as Joe touched on as well like we had a, quite a lot of online content in those four or five months and I think our educators did a pretty great job um in terms of adapting to what COVID presented us with and we had sometimes very long zooms um just that were converted from simulation clinics I remember our fixed pros course was essentially run on zoom entirely for a couple of months so you'd sit there on a Friday for three four hours going through things and you did learn quite a bit of stuff um of course you didn't pick up that the the hand skills per se but you did pick up a lot of the theoretical knowledge and discuss a lot of papers and problem solving and cases cases and things like that as well and that brings us to year three, which we kind of were in and out of clinics. But in, in the usual year, what happens is that you are pretty much in clinics um, from Monday to Friday, five days a week uh, across two different sites um, primarily. So Sydney Dental Hospital and Westmead Centre for Oral Health, which again, probably sounds like gibberish to you guys because you don't know where that is. But um, and the PN as well. So it's quite good because students get a different exposure at the different at the different centers and we do have different educators as well who teach us so you do pick up different things from those people yeah fourth year the same you you are in clinics pretty much um five days a week and your simulation clinics end in third year which is good so um you're just working on with, with your own patients at each of your different placement sites uh our rural placements go on for six weeks every um rotation so we only have one rotation per year which is in fourth year, and that runs for six-week period, and you sort of put down preferences as to like to go. They are generally within New South Wales, but I know the university also supports if you'd like to go elsewhere, so if you'd like to go interstate or overseas. Um, they do, actually, yeah. Um, so in a- <laughs> you guys can choose. <laughs> we don't need no, yeah. <laughs> a Yeah, it's pretty good. Like, you, you, you get um, – because of COVID, obviously things have changed, but – in a normal year, what's ha- what happens is you get about eight different placement sites that you can choose out of and you can preference them. Um, and um, I love that Erica's face is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you kind of put down your preference. So uh, in, I've had friends in the, in the last couple of years who've gone to Japan. You can also go to like different um, – you can go to different – you can actually find your own placement um, site and ask for someone to advise you for a couple of couple of weeks or whatever it may be in your holiday period of course it's got to be your holiday periods but that can count as your um, extra elective placements as well as long as they approve and the university approves so it's quite good to be able to do that I really wanted to go to King's College in London but COVID had other plans 
Alas, I think we got hit by COVID pretty badly, especially in Sydney. Like Sydney, New South Wales went pretty hard on lockdown. And so we were out of clinic for a very long time. A lot of, you know, made up sessions or, you know, sessions converted to just Zoom. And even now we're still kind of, yeah, sorry, online sessions. And even now I think we're still combating it in that we're not running at full capacity. Like our hospitals are only running at half capacity. So I think there is a little bit of, you know, we're doing the best that we can, but obviously it does feel a little bit of a disadvantage compared to other years. But I think we make do with what we had. Something I did notice as well is that I guess our rural experience differs because, you know, we have six weeks, whereas I think Richard and Joe, you guys, well, Joe is a different case, but <laughs> um, <laughs> Richard, you mentioned that you guys do it for like several months at a time, was it? Yeah. So um, I don't think we're as lucky as um, Anushka or you guys because we don't we don't get any preference in where we go for placements. So um, you could end up like on placements within Brisbane or you could end up like six hours away, like um, in St. George or Dalby, somewhere rural. Um, so it, the placement time and location depends on chance and um, depending on where you go, you could be there for like half half a semester or wow. the whole semester. Wow. Um, so it's yeah. pretty lengthy placements. When you're not away, you're at the oral health center. So you're still on the same campus that uh, we originally started out at. But yeah, we, we I think we used to be able to choose preferences or at least have some sort of say in where we wanted to go. But um, I, I think recently they haven't been doing that. Look, I suppose I think it works out. Mm. <laughs> I think it works out well in the end because like you, you choose something based on something you don't know anyway. Like I know a lot of us um, in our in our uni, like Ballina is like the place that everyone wants to go because it's beautiful and it's very scenic and it's by the beach. But I know um, like for example our first rural rotation got cancelled for many because there floods there were floods in Ballina and and some students who had picked alternative rules placement sites got to go for their rural placement. So I think it really ends up being like even if you don't choose, you probably end up getting quite a good experience out of what you yeah. um, get placed into. So that's really totally, good. Totally, yeah. I agree. Take, that's something really – Take what you get and run with it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> There's something really special about being in a different area, getting to live, um, really immerse yourself in that environment and live with some of your closest friends. You really don't get many opportunities like that after university. Yeah, exactly. And I think for some of us who, well, like, you know, Anushka and I have both moved into state um, to study in Sydney. And I think it was such a unique experience, just like moving out of home and then being thrown into like a degree like dentistry. I think regardless, like being thrown into a degree like dentistry, which is so tough, you really do rely on just the people that you're around. And when you're there day in, day out together in clinic, right? Like, I don't know, lifelong friendships. A hundred It's that time of year again. Before June 30, we have to renew our indemnity insurance. And when I look for an insurer, I'm looking for someone who's going to be there when I need their help. They're going to act fast and they're going to be by my side so I can practice with confidence. I get all of that from Dental Protection Limited. What I love about them is that they're more than just an insurer. They're actually here to help us, to give us content and support us with medical legal situations and most importantly, help us avoid these situations. The content they produce is the best content out there from an insurer like them. Renewal notices are out in May. To make sure you get all of these added benefits, sign up by June 30. I can say from personal experience, when you need help, you'll be glad you're with Dental Protection Limited. Thank you, Dental Protection Limited, for supporting me in my career and the Dental Head Start podcast. 
building on from that comment, I think also, Anushka, tell me what you think about this, but I think one of the, I guess, interesting aspects of our postgrad degree is, as you said, we have a very unique um, demographic of students in terms that we have a huge age range and people come from all sorts of backgrounds. But what I found from that is that it's really I think it's interesting. <laughs> I feel like the postgrad, the postgrad mentality is kind of a bit different to the undergrad mentality. It is. I, Would you think so? I think, what do you think? I think yes, and I think um, this kind of goes hand in hand with where I live because I live on campus at at the University of Sydney as well, and I live in a postgrad college, and we do have a, a bit of a mix of undergraduates and postgrads as well. And I think that the best part of I don't know, my, the best part of my experience so far in the last four years having moved here is actually the people that I've met and not because of just their personality as, as individuals but also because of where they've come from, what they've done before, what kind of experiences they've shared with us. I think um, just the breadth of experience, not just coming from where they worked or where they've lived but what they've done and why they're doing dentistry or um you know, what's influenced them to get to where they have. I think that's been really interesting. And I also think um, the conversations that you have with these people, like sitting in a lunchroom, we we love speaking dentistry. And I'm sure you guys also say, we will sit down and we'll be like, let's not talk about anything to do with dentistry. But then you'll start talking about your patient from yesterday and something else. And <laughs> I've actually found that so true. And there's not, um, there's, I don't think there has ever been a time where, my friends from university, we've gotten together and we haven't said anything about anything dentistry for just like one topic. Yeah. It's always I, mean, I don't know. Hard. I, I only notice that when we go out with friends who have partners who are not from dentistry mm. and I, yeah. I feel like <laughs> we sit there and we talk over brunch or dinner or whatever it is and we just start talking about dentistry and our patients and what we do and all these very nitty-gritty niche things and there's people just sitting there going what are you talking about or like and one. then they call you out on it <laughs> they call you out on it and you're like I don't know what to talk about now I did say you guys all came from very varying back Backgrounds. And that's also reflected in your involvements as well, where all of you guys are involved in committees to you know differing extents, but also part of something. Um, I think that's exciting. I'm, you know, not one of those people. I'm not part of any of the student committees, despite Anushka trying to rope me in every year. <laughs> it has not worked, um, sadly. But I- <laughs> yeah, final year, right? Like one more semester, maybe you'll convince <laughs> me to do something. Um, but I wanted to perhaps, you know, talk about your different experiences working in different committees. And yeah, I think that was kind of building on my thoughts before when I was asking about the difference between postgrad and undergrad societies to an extent as well. Um, and I think perhaps Richard will start off with you. And I think you had some involvement with like UQ's Dental Society. Do you want me to tell? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and like what were you involved in? Yeah, since it's an undergraduate degree, I think the demographic is a bit younger. Um, and I guess that's kind of reflected in the events that we have at our uni. So um, I was part of the UQ Dental Student Association, so UQDSA for short. Um, I was part of like the social committee in 2020. So we, I just helped out with like events and running them throughout the year. Uh, we have a lot of social events throughout the year. So I think because everyone's still quite young and um, a lot of people have come straight from high school or, um, you know, one year of uni out, um, they do like to drink. 
and, um, <laughs> yeah, have a bit of fun outside of the classroom. Um, so we organize a lot of those type of events. And um, even if people aren't usually like keen for a drink, they can still come along and have a lot of fun. Um, and then in the year after that, I ran for vice president and was lucky enough to have that as my role. How good. So I was in charge of um, organizing a lot of our events with like industry sponsors. So I talked to a lot of um, dental companies and we ran like a, a loops trade show, for example. Um, and yeah, I actually had been on a committee before dentistry. So back in my engineering days, um, there was a committee where I was uh, on the marketing team for. And I remember we used to go on these things called like sponsorship runs. So um, our membership card was like the main selling point of this um, club. So we would go around Brisbane and ask local businesses for like, oh, could you sponsor our, our committee for discounts and we'll bring you customers, right? And um, when I joined the like Dental Student Association, I knew we only had like five sponsors, five local sponsors or something like Very that. Very transferable mm. skill. Yeah. So I was like, oh, why don't I do that for our committee? And I went on like a sponsorship yeah. run across Brisbane and got ourselves some nice discounts. Amazing. <laughs> oh, look at you go. So That's awesome. Hopefully that initiative like keeps going long after I'm not there. But yeah, I think that's something I was pretty proud of organizing. That's amazing. Yeah. You're giving us ideas. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, <laughs> ideas, hey. Now, I've kind of kept my eye out on just like UQ DSA. Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah. UQ DSA. Um, and just like, you know, your Instagram or like Facebook pages. And I just look, I'm like, you guys seem so fun. <laughs> like it's such yeah. a, such a, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <Just jealous. laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm like, the reason why I ask is it's such a breath of fresh air where perhaps, like you said, it's a bit more useful. People are like, you know, living the uni life and you guys are always doing some sort of event or other. Do you have any like memorable events or like, would you say like, you know, over your you know, four or five years, an event in particular that was like a standout or something that you were involved in? Like, Something I was involved in organizing or, oh, no, or just like either, attending? Either or just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like anything that you think was just like, wow, this was like a memorable or a highlight of your dental degree. It's hard to pick because I really like two events. So one of them is our boat cruise that uh, we hold every year and we, we go on this little party boat and everyone dresses up according to a theme and it cruises down the Brisbane River for a few hours. But I think the most memorable event for me would have to be our halfway cocktail event. So to celebrate our milestone of being 50% dentist, um, we, we all got to dress up and head to this rooftop bar. Um, and I remember the canapes were really good. <laughs> <laughs> Partly why I really liked that event. Um, honestly, it was a really, really wholesome moment because I remember everyone was able to just stop and smell the roses for a little bit. And I think oftentimes we get too caught up in um, clinic and sometimes we have bad days and sometimes we have good days, but um, we only go through uni once and it, it's such a unique experience for us all to be in it together. And I, I just really felt the camaraderie at that event. Um, yeah, it was honestly such a, a memorable night for everyone, I think. And um we all got some nice photos too. So. <laughs> yeah, that sounds a lot of fun. And I feel like for, for us, I think our halfway ball was also a very memorable um, event as well. Yeah. Richard, you were saying before about like, you know, doing those sponsorship runs and all that. Did that teach you any particular like skills or lessons from that? Because I think it takes a lot of 
I don't know, like guts or effort to put yourself out, out there and kind of, you know, approach people. How did you go about that? And did you learn anything from it? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I learned so much from being um, able to serve as vice president. And I think it, it definitely wouldn't have run as smoothly if I didn't have such an amazing team supporting me as well. Um, I think, to be honest, I, I do get a bit of social anxiety at times. And um, it wasn't the easiest thing to go out there and, um, yeah, like you said, to put yourself out there in front of people. And I guess coming into my role as vice president, I, I had this idea in my mind that I would be taking on a lot of these responsibilities by myself and that I would be um, in charge of a lot of things um, without much guidance. So I think after experiencing being on a committee where everyone is so diligent and just so happy to help, leadership is definitely more than just doing it all on your own. And it's, it's really about working with your team um, I really have to thank my sponsorship subcommittee for all their hard work um, throughout last year because really none of it would have been possible without them. And I think that carries through to when we graduate and when we start working. A lot of the stuff we do in our day-to-day jobs wouldn't be possible without the help from our amazing dental assistants or our reception staff or just anyone in the team in general. Um, I think just vocalizing that you are really grateful for the people that around you and uh, it doesn't take much effort um, but it really does make people feel like their their work is paying off yeah no wonderful I think it's a very valuable skill and I'm sure it's going to pay off a lot even you know once you graduate like skills like that soft skills I think it's just it never hurts to to have them um Anishka Madam President I'm sorry for you know, being disloyal to our society <laughs> would you like to tell us a little bit about your involvement with Suda over the years and what it's about what you do for us <laughs> um yeah sure so I've been <laughs> no it's okay I know undergrad culture is a lot more fun than postgrad I'll give you that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I've really enjoyed it. I've been part of the Student Association for, this is my fourth year now. I don't know why I've gone back, but I have. Um, It has, I think every year, the biggest thing for me is I like seeing the, the society grow. And in different ways, like under every president, it's honestly grown so much over the last four years. And I'm really grateful for our um, previous presidents as well for setting a really good foundation for me to be able to take over this year as well. Um, it is stressful. It can feel like a unpaid full-time job sometimes, I think. Um, and I see a lot of nods there, which is good. Um, it's not just us, but I think having a really good team is what helps as well. People are really supportive and, and they take these roles on because they, you know, they want to serve the community that they're in as well. So, um, yeah, for us, I think my biggest thing was last year, I was also vice president and, um, didn't get to do a whole lot because of COVID as well. It was very limited. But I think I'm proud to say one good thing came out of it. We had um, we elected a new role this year, the careers role, um, and I sort of pushed for it. It's actually 50-50. We didn't have anything in our society that actually allowed for networking outside of um, – with outside, I suppose, industry leaders as well as just dentists in the field. Um, I think we relied heavily on what was done through the university or um, what students did on their own outside. So finding jobs or just chatting to dentists outside um, to find out what their experiences are and specialists and things like that was quite hard to do. And I think for me, I realized that last year because three years in, I thought to myself, I've done a lot of work within Suda, but I don't feel like I know anyone outside that I could sort of reach out to. Um, aside from our obviously educators our educators are amazing but um, they also obviously teach us and 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 are um, 
I suppose, give different perspective to what you would get if you're looking for a job outside. So we were really happy to push that role through last year and this has got someone in that role, um, one of our friends, Kevin, who's actually doing a lot of work in that space um, to, to help us try and network with outside professionals in the industry. So that, that was really good. Um, aside from that, I've also been, I suppose, involved with the Faculty of Medicine itself. So I think dentistry is quite small as a school within the larger space of university. And although everyone knows you said um, has dentistry and has been, you know, training dentists for over 100 years now, um, I think we have not had a lot of voice within the university and I think that's something that I wanted to change as well. So over the last couple of um, years, I've gotten involved with the faculty itself and making sure that they are sort of aware of what we want as students as well from the dental school um, and pushing for things. So that, that's been really good as well. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Anushka, I really admire all the things that you do. I think just saw like, you know, a little Anushka appreciation session. She's there like 7 a.m. meetings every day will be in clinic and then, you know, in between patients, she's there responding to a million emails. And um, no, I think what you guys do for the society is really great. And um, I don't know if you remember, but I'll take you down a little trip down memory lane. But there's this one point, I think, last year where we were in Sim Clinic um, and you were sitting behind me Anushka and you were like kind of like you know rolled your chair back bumped into me like hey Erica do you want to be Europe next year (laughs) (laughs) but then I asked you I was just like hey (laughs) and I said you know how are you going and she's like she's running for president and we had a little bit of a chat about it and you said one thing to me where you're saying like you know regardless of whether or not you get the position you're like it's important that you have a good team and that we've got a really good team on board you know all the other people that are running are in it for the right reasons they really care and you guys like you said it's an unpaid job I think a lot of times you get taken for granted but you're like what was most important to you was that you had a good team back and I heard that I was like <laughs> I was like that's my president you have my vote it's <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that was hard because I think last year I had a I had a um, tough year personally and I sort of thought to myself do I want to take this on because I know it's a lot of work I've seen it you know I've seen people do it over the last couple of years I know it's a lot of work the final year as well like I want to be able to give my best to my studies as well and I sort of it was a, it was a huge battle because I knew I wanted to do it because I wanted to continue that loop and I sort of thought and everybody was like oh you have to do it I'm like no I don't have to do it I just I feel like I want to do it it's more that um I wanted to also do right by me and one of the things I focused on last year was like, I spoke to a lot of people and I, I spoke to a lot of people that I thought would be a good fit for our team um, and I sort of chatted to them and Erica was one of them, but Erica didn't want to join. <laughs> um, although- Look, it's no no hate to it whatsoever. <laughs> I entirely respect what you guys do. I just think like, you know, with my commitments, I just wouldn't yeah, be able to give give you guys what you guys deserve. But I think the team that you guys have right now is absolutely fantastic <laughs> and I could not do any better. <laughs> There's so much but effort yeah. that goes on behind the scenes of like all these committees. And yeah, seriously, shout out to yeah. all the people involved with all these committees. Like I think it's I such a noble cause to give back to the community that absolutely you're involved in. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you don't get that recognition. I tell I tell my friends all the time. I think I met some. Oh, yeah. We had a big um, sporting uh, event a couple of weeks ago, um, RBC, between UCSU and UCID. 
And we met some friends from fourth year, like one, some of my friends from dentistry at that drinks. And they were all saying amazing, you know, like people have organized this event seamlessly. You guys did a great job. And I said, look, it's not me. It's actually the sports rods who organized it. So maybe you guys can say thank you. Because a lot of the times that students do appreciate it. And sometimes the representatives don't get that feedback. And I think it's really important to be able to make them feel as though, you know what, what the work that I do is actually valued. Um, and some someone out there is appreciating it. it. It really helps to be able to say a simple, hey, thanks for doing what you do. <laughs> Anishka, it's very much like we've kind of come full circle, but it's like what we were saying at the beginning of the podcast when you were saying you're doing the patient experience coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing roles behind the scene that a lot of people, I guess, take for granted because things are running. I think uh, I, uh, my sister is also like involved in business and stuff and she does a lot of projects where I'm just like, what's the point of this project? She's like, the point of this project project is to do it so well that the ordinary person would not notice and I was like (laughs) wow wow but I feel like that's exactly what you guys do with the committees where you're running things to an extent and running it so smoothly having systems in place that everyone else does not notice right and that's really just a testament to you guys doing a really good job because if people notice, it means that something's going wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, if anything, little shout out to all our committee members. Thank you for looking after us. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of appreciation for it. Ripe Global is an incredible resource, especially in these times where travel is a little bit difficult, but we're also realizing it's not always necessary for our education. Especially when we're starting our career, we just want to get as much as we can. And a platform like Ripe Global's membership is perfect for that. But Ripe Global is a lot more than that. They've got the fellowship in restorative dentistry. And while it's already started with the posterior dentistry course, they've just released the anterior dentistry course, one where you're going to learn about composites, aesthetics, isolation, and indirect work as well. One of the hardest things to do in dentistry is a single front tooth. And this course is aimed at helping you improve that skill. Find out more at ripeglobal.com or check out the show notes and you can get 30% off a membership all from the comfort of your own home. Jay, I've left you last before um, we dive into this because you, my friend, have a very long list of involvements, uh, which I will briefly read out. But I'm looking at it and it makes me feel a little bit like we're in Game of Thrones in the Daenerys Targaryen, like mother of dragons, breaker of chains kind of situation. <laughs> um, but I've got it open here. I'm going to quickly dive through it and then I want you to break it down. Gosh, what yeah. on earth all of these titles mean and what you're involved in, right? Because you say that, you know, you're part of the literary, part of the literary Student Excellence Academy, past treasurer for the Bendigo Oral Health and Dentistry Society, your Australian ambassador for the Global Leadership in Dentistry and Sciences, immediate past president of ADSA, which we're all very familiar with. And then you're also a part of the Australian Dental Council Accreditation Committee. That's very impressive and congratulations to you for achieving so much. Has leadership always been something that, you know, you've always kind of like, you know, been a part of or were you always heavily um, invested in committees and what led you to all these different positions? Yeah, I think um, it has been a really important part of um, me wanting to, I guess, give back and help other students in this context, other dental students have the best university experience that they could have. Um, I feel really blessed in that dentistry has given me so much, so many amazing experiences um, 
and has led me to meet so many amazing people like you all. And I really just wanted to um, have these positions to hold to help other students have the same or a similar experience. Yeah, so it's given me so many amazing opportunities. And what I wanted to do in these leadership positions is to help other students have that same amazing experience um, as a dental student or just as a um, student in general. And I actually started off, I think my first position in university as um, a leader was I was the volunteer coordinator for um, our dentistry society in Bendigo. Um, And on top of that, I was the Latrobe representative for ADSA. So I just being in those positions enabled me to do things that I really loved, which was participate and also organize um, volunteering opportunities for students where we would go to women's refuges um, and primary schools, things like that to visit the children um, and the women as well and their children to give them tailored oral health advice. And that was really special because um, the students got a lot out of it as well as the people that we were, um, I guess, helping to educate. And yeah, it was just a really memorable part of university. So I hope that the people who participated in that feel the same. Um, and I actually had the same sort of experience with um, as Richard and as um, Anushka with dealing with sponsors and trying to organize all these events and things like that. Um, I feel like it really helps you grow as a person and it helps you make sure that you're a very organized person, <laughs> make sure that you're um, keeping on top of everything. And it, I guess, is a real life skill to be able to um, juggle all these things on top of your commitments to university and outside of outside of university as well. And what about these other, your involvement with ADSA? Obviously, you've been quite heavily involved with that. How did you, I guess, find yourself being part of ADSA? Actually, I guess this is a big plug for the convention, but um, I first went to the ADSA convention when I was in second year. Probably my only regret of dental school was not going to the first year convention. (laughs) And it's basically a big get together of all these dental students from across Australia uh, and we have academic lectures for a whole week and we have social events and networking events during the night time um, and it's it just felt I think a really special thing about uni- my university experience in Bendigo in a rural area where there's a smaller cohort is that we're all kind of this isn't our home and we're all kind of living together and we're all sharing this new experience where um, we're, we're still learning and we sort of have to find a second family with among each other. Um, and it was really special and I think that it's a great experience for like-minded students to come together um, and learn more about dentistry and also we have some hands-on workshop components. It's just I think that's what made me want to be involved that I could have the chance to coordinate this this um, massive convention for all of Australian students who are 
not only in dentistry but also you know oral health and oral hygiene students to get involved in. Yeah, and I guess for any of our listeners that aren't familiar with ADSA, I forgot to actually explain it a little bit before. Do you want to give just like a brief overview about what ADSA is? Because it's not the typical, I guess, you know, student society um, in the same way that UQDSA or SUDA is. Could you tell us a little bit about what ADSA is? Yeah, sure. So ADSA is actually the only national body to represent all Australian dental, oral health and oral hygiene students. And we do our best. We have a large team of about almost 40 people. Um, including representatives from each university to help just better the student experience for these students and um, I guess help them and and provide a a good um, community and area to facilitate um, I guess connections outside of dentistry. Yeah, I think you guys have a very unique, I guess, reach in that you know you represent all of the universities and you kind of um, are able to have a lot of like I guess networks or connections with people or dentists across all of Australia. And I know you guys do a lot of um, I guess a lot of different initiatives. Like you host the Adsal webinar talks, or you know at the moment you're doing your grad series and you do dentist in a day. Um, a lot of different things. How did these all come about? Like were they existing or were some of these events things that kind of came about during your presidency? Or do you want to talk a little bit about that? I always yeah, wonder so, this question. Sorry. Yeah. I said always had this question. <laughs> oh, actually, they all came about mostly from COVID. Our big thing um, was the ADSA convention, and when that couldn't happen, I sort of had to start thinking about ways in which we can reach our students, um, I guess, through Zoom or online. And that's where a lot of these initiatives came about. Um, I was really lucky to have the opportunity to live with uh, my vice president, who um, we were both we we're both at the same university. We were both in the same placement area, and so basically, any interaction that we had with each other, um, it would always turn into an ads meeting. <laughs> and so oh, we that's were feeling awesome. really ambitious, and we would just would be constantly brainstorming um, how what can we do for these people. So that's how I guess um, the grad series came about. Dentist for a Day, which is an ob- observation program which links um, students with with dentists to observe and shadow them for a day um, and lots more webinars, mentoring program, um, things like that. It's just, I guess it all came about because we recognised that there was a big need for um, ADSA representation and ADSA events outside of the convention and outside of what was traditionally there. Yeah, what I admire a lot um, something that I have a lot of respect for is not just saying you'll do something, but actually being able to execute it. And I think that's something you guys have done so beautifully. And you saying you and it's Kylin, right? Who yeah, was your that's vice right. President last year, you two are very much a dynamic duo. And just like you said, going from a conversation like on the couch about like, hey, what do you think of this, and then actually making that a thing, and running it to the success that you guys did how did you manage to execute it like how did it go from a conversation between the two of you to actually you know making it all happen that's a good question I um like we were talking about before the team has a lot to play into this whole thing and um really grateful for just such an amazing exec team and general committee um I think I'm the kind of person who 
likes to be very efficient and I like to have things after a meeting I like to just make a list of actionables because otherwise you know you don't want to waste two hours of your your night um over nothing so I think um I guess this habit came about when I was on the team as secretary I would in my meeting minutes I would make a list of um not only things that we talked about but where I guess next steps from here um and that's really important when you plan something and it was really it was actually a really eye-opening experience because we were I guess the main people in charge of this committee and we wouldn't have to really run anything by anyone I guess the initiative was ours so um we whether it came about or not was really up to whether we actioned it or not so I guess that was a major part in um execution Mm-mm. no I think that's fantastic and I think I don't know I, I I think that's a very good tip that you've brought up because oftentimes you have conversations and then you know, if you don't actually put it into actionable steps then it just becomes a passing conversation that you don't act upon so I think that's a very good lesson perhaps for all of us and I think it's a valuable skill as you've kind of discussed throughout all your different committee roles is that you'll learn very valuable skills beyond just being a practicing clinician right it's all these skills that will translate um in like I think in a lot of different ways even post-graduation so I think that's good and I think we could spend all night just talking about ADSA and all the wonderful things you guys do could you plug a little bit um the ADSA convention and you know what people should be looking out for for it um actually we are almost selling out of all our tickets but oh my god amazing yeah we have a very special deal so ask your university reps for a code for ten dollars off your convention ticket they are cheaper than um, they have been in the past because we're doing a weekend thing and it's, I believe, July 1st to the 4th. Um, it will be just a weekend packed full of academic lectures, um, workshops and social events and see you all there. It will be a really great time. Aligners are becoming an integral part of practice, and whether you are new to aligner therapy or an experienced practitioner, the opportunity is vast. But how do you do that well, and how do you do that profitably? Well, Dr. Jeff Hall and Dr. Jesse Green have got together to help you with both of these key problems in aligner therapy. Dr. Jeff Hall is going to teach you how to do clear aligners to a high standard and give you the confidence to be able to treatment plan and troubleshoot your patients. And Dr. Jesse Green is going to show you how to do this more efficiently, more profitably, and to get more patients like these into your practice. Solving these problems and getting you profitable in Clear Aligners is what Clear Aligner Excellence, their new education platform, is all about. It also gives you huge discounts on the Aligner Lab fees. There's almost no reason not to find out more. Clearex.com.au But what I wanted to ask is that I think our episode today is very much talking about dental school. We perhaps have a lot of students listening into this episode in particular. Um, and as final year students and as, you know, the role models for all the, 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 the junior students, throughout your experiences, what have you guys learned? And I want to divide this up 
I guess, into three categories because I think it's hard to give just one overall tip. And I want your thoughts kind of on studying, clinic, and then socially. And what perhaps is a lesson or a takeaway that you guys have, um, yeah, gotten over these years? I know you're all kind of thinking, I'm like, I've kind of threw it up on you. Um, take your time. But perhaps, Richard, do you want to do you want to start off with this? I guess in terms of study, um, if you're leaving high school and just entering uni, uh, it's a big change of pace to come into like a uni degree like dentistry, where um, if you haven't really done much work in biology or chemistry it it can initially like hit you in the face (laughs) and I know it did for me because organic chemistry is not like a strong point for me Um, in terms of studying I think just setting aside some time to actually sit down and concentrate on um, doing your lecture content and just studying every week compared to like cramming at the end of the semester personally like I've done that way too many times and the stress you feel is <laughs> insane towards <laughs> towards exam time. Um, that being said, if that is the way you do like to study and it's been working for you, look, nothing wrong with it. Um, but I think I've probably grown a, a few white hairs over the years just from uh, the <laughs> amount of stress that exams give me. Um, and also I think it's important in dentistry because studying consistently and keeping up to date and actually remembering your content after the exam is done is Um, pretty tricky I know a lot of us probably do just study for exams and in the end it's all knowledge that we need to know to be successful dentists Um, so I guess trying to go back and revise is um, something I would recommend but yeah Um, clinically I think it's a whole different ball game but it's definitely worth your time to go and observe some dentists Um, outside of your own clinic like private dentists uh, work so efficiently and the way they communicate with their patients is really amazing. Um, I've been lucky enough to go observe a few dentists um, and I've, I've learned a lot of good tips. Um, for example, I, I went to see how my um, supervisor worked in private. Um, shout out to Dr. Andy Tai, He's an endodontist now. So I think watching him being able to take like a comprehensive pain history in, in a really efficient way um, was very like uh, enlightening and I think I've taken a lot away from just that interaction um, and I've applied it to my own clinical practice Um, so there's so much useful knowledge out there and don't be afraid to like message someone that you've seen on Instagram like don't be scared because a lot of dentists are very willing and um, happy to let you go and watch them for a day and I think there's so much um, knowledge that goes out there that (laughs) isn't taught in our lectures you know but I definitely um, wanted to piggyback on that conversation where like what the podcast has taught me is that people are so generous and willing to help. All you have to do is really just ask. And, you know, we have such a small, tight-knit community and people are so just like, you know, ready and willing to lend a hand and share their knowledge. So I think that's very true about reaching out to people and learning a bit more. Richard, sorry to interrupt you. You were going to give, I guess, your third tip, I guess, on social, personal, mental health being... Yeah, so socially, I think for for UQ at least, there are a lot of social events. And um, I think while you're at uni, you have such um, a unique, it's, a, it's such a unique time in your life where you're all with like-minded individuals and 
probably around the similar, um, probably around a, a similar interest level in terms of um, career pathways and stuff. So I think going to all these social events and mingling with your peers is like a top tip I can give. So don't let these opportunities pass you by because once you're out of dental school, like you really won't have that opportunity to go speak with um, people in different cohorts. And once you have those connections, um, who knows where they'll lead. And in terms of mental health, um, also don't study to the point where you're depressed. <laughs> I'd say have some fun. Um, cut yourself some slack as well. If you don't do so well on an exam or fail on an assessment item, then it's not the end of the world. Uh, there's a lot more to life than just uh, GPAs and grades. So, yeah, the life, uh, the world will keep spinning. <laughs> that's such a nice that's such a nice little reminder and I think it's very true that like you know sometimes we can get very caught up in just oh, our studies and you know meeting requirements and assessments but hey lift your head up every so often and you know go hang out with your friends because you, know, you only are in university once right and after this the real world is very different hey? exactly 100% yeah how about you Anushka what would you be what would your tips be in terms of I guess one um what were my tips? Study. <laughs> um, study <laughs> one academic studying tip, one clinical tip, and just one more personal social tip. Um, yeah, so I suppose a little bit different in terms of my background. Because I've come into a postgrad degree, I had gone through university um, before dentistry. However, um, I don't think it made a whole lot of difference. I think I did have to learn how to restudy or like figure out different techniques that perhaps didn't work as, as well for me in biomed. Um, I definitely changed the way I studied because dentistry had um, a lot more content or a, a lot more content that you actually needed to know. Like you, the, the content that you do learn is important. And I think my biggest tip would be um, understand that there's a bigger picture and before you have come hundreds and thousands of dental students who have gone through the same thing. And just getting into dentistry in itself is a massive achievement and you've worked really, really hard to be able to get there. So if, you know, you've gotten this far, don't underestimate yourself. I think understand that there's a bigger picture there um, that you will get through it, even if it seems like, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, there is. Um, and, but, but in that same regard, obviously do work hard. I think, I think I really struggled in first year in terms of trying to keep up with everything, especially being a representative for the student society as well. I remember I was trying to navigate, but also study at the same time and figure out my own life and figure Sydney out and dental school and all of these things at the one time, it does become really overwhelming, but tip would be, yeah, know the bigger picture. There is a purpose behind what you're learning. Um, and if something doesn't make sense, I think put your hand up and ask for help rather than leaving it too late. Um, yeah, that's that's probably my study tip. Um, and in terms of clinic, this is a hard one. I don't know if I'm in a place to be giving clinical <laughs> tips, but, um, but I think... Well, like even just your reflections, like your reflections from, you know, what were your biggest, um, even like wake-up calls or struggles yeah. or things that took you by surprise? Yeah. I think my biggest thing was I was quite nervous going into clinics, but... Um, I think what I understood um, over the last couple of months, especially last year, going to clinics for the first time and seeing patients for the first time, um, 
communication was really what helped me. I feel like I over-explained myself. And I've got a friend, we've got a mutual friend, Elka Shack. Um, he always asks me, he's just like, you ask a patient if they're okay a hundred times. And I'm like, but it's just into it. Yeah. I'm and I'm just like, it, yeah. yeah, you do feel guilty about it. Like sometimes, um, you know, you just fix in there and the patient's not saying anything for a little while. I'm like, are you okay? And they're like, yeah, I'm okay. You know, you just continue to ask that question because I think initially you, you are worried. You are scared that you you are, you know, often saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing or whatever it is, but have a little faith in yourself, I think, and um, just speak to the patients and treat them as though they are, sorry, I don't know if that was me, treat them as though they are, you know, a fellow human being as, rather than just um, immediately sort of figuring out that they, they're, they're a patient and, and um, focusing only on the dental problem that they're presented with. Um, and another thing in clinics probably is that I've realized that the educators that you have, you have such a wide variety of educators that teach you at different sites at different times. And I think tapping into that resource is really crucial. I think just we have a, we have an educator at um, UCID who teaches us at um, City Dental Hospital. And he always, even the assistant, he'll always ask, what did you learn, Dr. Rock? Dr. Rock will always say, what did, you, what did you learn today? And, you know, sometimes you think I'm the assistant, like, you know, it's whatever, but um you really get forced to think, what did I learn from this session? And I maintain a little, um, I suppose, notebook diary. It's like a little white book that I carry around. That's wonderful. <laughs> and I write yeah. down every day what I've learned from that session, whether it's an assistant session or, ah, look at you. <laughs> 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 and um, a few of my friends made fun of it, but they've actually adopted it as well, which is really good. I think a lot of us all have little white books, yeah. Correct. <laughs> um, and I just write down, even if it's a silly thing that I've learned, you know, things like, under rubber dam, I now put a little piece of gauze so that the patient, because sometimes the patient, you know, salivates and the lip gets really like watery and slubby. And I sort of put a little piece of gauze underneath it. And it's this thing that you learn on the way, along the way, sorry, um, that clinical trips accumulate them, learn them, write them down, and just build it into practice. And I think, um, as you touched on earlier, Richard, observing someone outside of what you usually see, because I think a lot of us go into clinics. And for the first time that you see a filling being done, for, for a lot of us um, who don't observe at a clinic um, outside of in, in your free time, you go into clinics, you do your first filling, and that's the first filling that you've ever seen done on anyone. Um, and I think that is really daunting. So if you can, my biggest piece of advice would also be year one and two, go out there and get some experience, spend a day or two with different um, uh, dentists outside as well. And like like you said, Erica, everyone's really friendly. And I feel like if you ask 10 people, nine of them will say, of course, just you're more than welcome to come and observe me at my practice and use that opportunity. Because once you're a graduate dentist, you probably won't have that opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Those are such good tips. So much and so many little nuggets of wisdom there, Anushka. <laughs> no, I think they're all really valuable points. I really like them all. And one last, I guess, like personal tip or you know something. Socially, I suppose. Um, yeah, I say this to my team all the time. I feel like dentistry is one of those professions, or at least dental school for me, um, doesn't really allow for a day off if you're having a bad day um, or if you need a time out. And I think that because you're in clinics or simulation clinics every day and you have lectures, taking a day off sometimes will mean that you pretty much fall behind. But I think it's important that, you know, if struggles come your way, if you're having a really bad period in your life, um, you do have a support network around you, whether that's a good friend, a colleague, an educator or someone you live with, um, you should tap into that. And I think please do and know that looking after yourself is obviously very crucial, especially given that given that you're getting into a, a field that can get stressful over time. And so learning to manage with that, manage those stresses 
and and tapping into those support networks as early as you can would really benefit you in the long term as well. I think something my friends and I often talk about is I think one of the things we will miss the most once we graduate is the lunchroom debriefs <laughs> where lunchtime every day, all the rants, all the venting, everything that went well or went wrong during that session. But it's such a, I guess, release where you're taking that burden off of your shoulders. You're telling your friends about it. And I don't know, I think really, you know, exactly like you said, tapping into your support networks, you're not doing you're not on it you're not going through it on your own really and just realizing that other people are there to listen to you um yeah and just making the most of it especially whilst we have it exactly right, right. and I don't know if it's the same with um, I'm sure it is at, at your universities as well Richard and Joe but at UC something I found was when I came in I feel like a lot of the upper year students who you know reached out and said if you need any help come and chat to us they really meant that and I think that's a reason as to why I also want to give back in some way because I feel like in year one and two, all these, all these, even students who were not representatives of society that I just met at like the welcome drinks or whatever it may be, they sort of said, you know, if you ever need anything, like come and ask us or like, you know, reach out. And I did at some point in the last three years, I have reached out to people and they've been so helpful, even if it's just a random tip or sharing a resource or showing us what to do, um, clinical tips and things like that. I think they really mean that and if someone tells you that do do utilize it um ask them talk to them ask them out for a coffee whatever it may be just use people to be able to get that support that you need if you need it and i think now that we're kind of in fourth year you kind of extend that same generosity to the junior years because you know we were treated that way by our senior you know colleagues at the point and then now like I see the younger years like the first and second years I'm like let me help you like I I might not know all the answers but let me try like you know help out where I can because it's like oh I've been there done that I know how hard you know how it feels Um, Yeah. yeah. yeah 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 how about you Joe what are your tips across these three categories I guess well, I was just going to add there was a huge there's a huge culture at La Trobe where um, the older year levels share their notes with the younger year levels, and I just thought that was so heartwarming and it's such it's a culture that I really wanted to further and and keep um, going, and I think that brings me to my first clinical uh, study tip, which is don't write everything that is on the slides already or everything that the lecturer is saying. I fell into that trap in second year um, and I just thought it was so important to, you know, make my notes really pretty and have all these colour coding and highlighting and things like that. But um, it's more important that the knowledge is actually in your head rather than like on your laptop and looking pretty. So you want to make sure that because if you have access to the slides, that's even better as well. Um, make your own notes, but don't write down everything. Don't rewrite the slides. Um, just make sure you have a good understanding of the lecture content because there will be so much that it's just impossible to collate um, into a huge. I've tried, trust me. <laughs> um, and my laptop's just been crashing, but. Um, it's it's more important that you have that knowledge in your head rather than in your books. Um, and another thing is make sure that, I guess, you are constantly revising things. I think clinic is really good for um, picking up little bits um, of, I guess, gaps in your knowledge. And if you go into clinic with that approach of um, 
what am I going to learn today? And um, I guess prepare for, ask yourself questions and quiz yourself um, at clinic. Like what what is the active ingredient in um, this, for example? Um, what is it? Adventure <laughs> paste. <laughs> What's the antibiotic? Yeah. Um, that really keeps you on your toes and it's great if you have demonstrators who do that as well for you. Um, but if you don't, there's nothing stopping you from quizzing yourself or you from quizzing your friends and getting your friends to quiz you as well. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I like another, that. yeah, <laughs> another clinical <laughs> tip I had was um, just echoing Anush- what Anushka said, where there actually is a human being connected to the mouth that you're working in. I feel like we get really bogged down with, oh, does this restoration, this does this posterior restoration look great? Um, I haven't recreated that um, marginal curve or whatever. Um, make sure that <laughs> I guess the patient understands, first of all, what you're doing and why you're doing it and also has an expectation of what the procedure will feel like. Um, we are so deep into dentistry we see it every day and we do it every day we kind of get numb to um how it feels for the patient and what they can I guess expect for in terms of like treatment time and as in length of the appointment and um I guess what it means for their them and their tooth and um I guess how how they can their tooth will function from this appointment so just taking that time to explain things really well to the patient and asking them um do you have any questions before we get started or do you have any questions for me at the at the very end um and making sure that that's addressed so that they feel comfortable and they know what you've been doing and they also appreciate it as well i feel like they gain a much better appreciation um of the things that you do when you take the time to explain it to them and why it's important. Uh, socially, I'd really recommend for everyone to get involved in anything and everything. Um, it just, as we were talking about before, it just gives you so many opportunities and experiences that you would otherwise, I guess, never get. Um, and it's really important that you you try everything in university. We're, we're still really young um, and I just guess I guess make the most of your time um, at university. Yeah, I am very much also a yes girl or yes ma'am. Where I don't know if people ask you to do things, just say yes. And you know, even the three of you are perfect examples. Where I was just like, hey, you guys down to do a podcast, and all three of you are like resounding like yes. And I was like, oh, I love that. Um, but like you said, it's just like things like this, just being I guess present and involved, and you know, giving things mm. your all. It's just you and never open. know where opportunities might take you. Yeah, being That's open it. and accepting. Yeah, yeah, so where was your yes mentality all... when Anushka was asking you to be the viewer? Wow, the bird. All right, look, okay, maybe some exceptions. <laughs> no, understand your boundaries as well. That. That's super important. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't give yeah, yeah, things yeah. your all. So I, yeah. I respect that. Learn how that. to say no. Yeah. <laughs> and she called me out on that one. quiet. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no, I think those are really great tips. I'd like to add one tip for like my the clinical tips. I think a big 
thing with patients is building rapport and like having an actual connection with them. So even just knowing that they have a son or like they have, um, they love gardening or something like that, make a note of it every time you see them so that you have something as a reminder to like, they are a person in the end and they have a life. And I'm sure if you mention a hobby that they've told you before, then they'd really appreciate that. And it just really helps connect um, with your patient as well. And I guess they feel appreciated and listened to. Um, so yeah, and it's it's helpful. Sorry, it's helpful for like the next practitioner as well to have a look at who who the patient is. Were you going to add on to that initially? No, I was Sorry. just going to say it also reduces. That's a great point. I, I love that. I think it also reduces um, the anxiety if, if, if people are anxious about coming to the dentist. I think that tip is great because, um, yeah, if they're scared of yeah. coming to the dentist, it just significantly reduces their anxiety if you start talking about something that they're passionate about, that they like. I think so. I think it's like an instant instant connection and like people love like find what they love talking about it kind of relaxes them it's an easy topic the amount of times that you you discover your patient like you said loves gardening or likes cooking and then you know there is so much in between time like oh while you're setting up your LA cartridge or whilst you're waiting for a tutor check to it's on one hand you could just sit there and be so focused or engrossed with you know what you need to do but you know we can multitask you can just you know ask your patient an open question just let them kind of ramble a little bit and tell you a little bit about their life and like you said it keeps you it's a good reminder that they are human and that these are people that we're treating now I think you guys all gave very very good tips and I think it kind of shows that you know over the years you've clearly all learned and matured a lot as clinicians and I don't know have a wealth of wisdom that you know I think our younger listeners or students will appreciate listening to I guess to wrap things up for our podcast I wanted to ask you all about where the future is headed for you guys and you know obviously now we're in our final year starting to perhaps you know be on the lookout for jobs and I know it's a daunting daunting uh, position to be in but you know perhaps not so much oh what are you doing to look for a job but what are you guys um I guess thoughts on graduating and you know do you plan on pursuing further education are there areas that you're interested in or um Perhaps we'll start off with that. I have a few other questions that I want to ask, but I guess what does the horizon look like for each of you? Joe, do you want to tell us a little bit of your your thoughts for the future? Yeah, sure. So like I was saying, I think um, being in a rural university and having rural placements all over Victoria has really, um, I guess, what my appetite for moving around and trying different um, locations and meeting different people from those areas. And so I would honestly be happy to um, move anywhere to a clinic that will offer me great mentoring um, and an opportunity just to just become an amazing dentist um, and give really high quality care for my patients. So I'm, I'm open to anywhere including overseas who knows amazing um, wow. yeah yeah I'm actually thinking about Brizzy. Oh. Um, so I might see you next year, Richard. Oh, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I think that um, I still would really like to get involved uh, as a dentist. Um, I am working for a dental company, AHC, which Erica is also very familiar with. Um, and I initially started off as being their website designer, and now I've. 
I've actually just today finished their website for the recent grads committee, which I hope to see all of you at. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And it's just really cool getting involved in these sorts of opportunities that's sort of linked to dentistry, but it's um, different from our clinical work. So I actually helped host a, um, a facilitate a hands-on CPD course for them. And um, I really look forward to working, continue to work with them in the future because um, that was just such an amazing experience. And um, I, I do see myself doing things like that and being on the committee for the accreditation committee for um, the Australian Dental Council has also really opened my eyes to that different aspect of dentistry. So I do want to get involved into in different aspects of dentistry as well, um, maybe once I've got more experience as a, a general dentist. I do know that I don't want to specialise just because there's so much variety um, and I just love I, – I couldn't pick one specialty. <laughs> Yeah, what you say, Joe, like resonates with me a lot. And I think it's something when people ask me like why dentistry, the one word that I associate it with is just opportunities. And it's not something that I realized until I guess later on, like these later years of uni where I realized, I think when we signed up for it, all you thought was just, you just clean and drill and fix teeth. And you think that's kind of all there is. But I think dentistry is such a unique profession where it affords us so many other avenues that you can explore. And like you said, yes, you can be a clinician, but you can be involved in educating or you know, hosting events or, you know, like you said, being part of like accreditation um, committees um, and like even all of you being holding various leadership roles. It's such a unique um I guess, profession in that sense. And I don't know, it sounds like you have a very exciting future ahead of you, Joe. and I think we're all very excited to see what you get up to. Yeah. How about you, Anushka? Absolutely. How about you, Anushka? Uh, I am still weighing up what I want to do next year. It's actually quite confusing in the sense of I know it's it's creeping up on us very, very soon, Um, but I am weighing up working in rural versus uh, metropolitan areas as well. I think I'm leaning more towards the rural experience, um, but of course, you know, location and things like that still, I have no idea. <laughs> um, but I think um, speaking to a lot of people who have graduated over the last couple of years has helped me just to shape that position. I think um, what I'm really focusing on getting next year is that experience, the clinical experience, because I feel as though that's, that's what I want to focus on for the year, especially the first one or two years out. Um so yeah, rural is what I'm more so leaning towards. I'm not fussed about location. I think I want to go wherever, um, as Joe said, wherever it takes me. Um, anywhere really. <laughs> Hopefully somewhere by the water is what I want. Fell enough. And I was just going to say in terms of, I suppose, what I'm looking for also be um, someone good to work under. And I, and I mean that in terms of a supportive environment, I think is what I'm looking for. I know it's going to be my first year out. It's going to be tough. Um, obviously I will probably make mistakes touch wood I won't make too many of them but I'm sure I will come across in, in at some crossroads where I will need some guidance and I think looking for someone who's comfortable constructively criticizing but also supporting um, I mean in, in getting through that journey as the first year out I think is crucial and um, I wish I had started sort of building those networks early on that's why I said in first and second year when you've got a bit more time go out there and, and, and meet dentists who work in the field, whether that's a specialist or, or a general dentist, just do that, get out there, 
build your network. It's never too early. Um, and I think that's something I wish I did earlier because it is it is quite hard, especially when you're involved in society, student society things and extracurriculars and trying to study and balance everything. It is a bit hard to prioritise yourself, but it is important. Um, and it's something that I probably will say um, that people should do as well at an earliest point. Um, yeah, sorry, Joe. what were you going to say? That's great. Now, Anushka, I was just going to say, um, I've heard that studying working rurally for one year is the equivalent to working in metro areas for two years oh wow in terms of what you see in clinic and things like that so yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> I, I think that is yeah. a is a great move for you so wishing you all the best thank you i think you'll do fantastic anushka anyone who anyone who hires you i think would be very very lucky thank you erica that's very sweet <laughs> how about you richard what does the future look like for richard zoo <laughs> Um, I guess I think the thing I love about this career is like, yeah, like you said, how many, there's so many options available for us. And I think, um, because I haven't been on a rural placement yet, I'm also a bit on the fence about, um, if I want to go out and live rural for a bit. Um, I've heard from a few supervisors that, yeah, going rural is such a great experience builder. And, um, it's, I guess our first job is very crucial in terms of, um, setting up who will be in the long term and what direction our career takes. Um, so I'm still undecided personally, but I do see myself living more in a metro area, to be honest. I do like Brisbane because I have my family here and I have a little dog here, so I can't really imagine moving away for a super long time. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where I actually end up and whether that be maybe more on the coast or in Brisbane. Um, I think there's so many cool opportunities out there these days and it's a good job market for us, thankfully. Outside of work, I guess I'd still be very interested in volunteering. So um, a lot of UQ students volunteer at this um, a clinic called Suchi and it's such a great opportunity if um, any UQ students are listening and haven't signed up for it. I think I, I highly recommend you go and uh, volunteer there. Basically, it's like a community-run clinic where um, they help uh, people who don't really have access to like the healthcare cards and stuff. So refugees and people, uh, victims of domestic violence and homeless uh, people. Um, and I think that there's positions available once you graduate to work there as a volunteer dentist. So I definitely see myself going back there and helping out when I can. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really keen on attending like a bunch of CPD to, to socialize and meet some people. Love that. <laughs> Absolutely. I think you were touching and I'm afraid we don't have enough time to dive into like, you know, this idea of volunteering because clearly all of you have been um, involved it to some extent but also you know as part of Dental Head Start one of our core values is giving back to the community and um, you know we're transitioning to a non-for-profit organization where all our profits we want to donate it in some way previously it was towards charities but this year we're looking towards I guess I'm a firm believer in making an impact, like a tangible impact, as opposed to just, you know, donating monetary amounts to a cause, as important as that is. Um, and so I'm really open to like, you know, hearing your thoughts and perhaps, you know, we'll have discussions at a later stage about, you know, what 
things you guys have been involved in and perhaps, you know, how Dental Head Start can get involved because we really want to be able to give back to the community. Yeah, but also to kind of connect our listeners, like all of you guys, so many of our listeners, I'm sure, are in a similar boat where, you know, you're full of energy, you want to give back, but perhaps don't have the avenues or the connections to know how to give back. And so very much um, an avenue we would like to explore. Um, One final, one final question, (laughs) and then I'll let you guys all go. This is perhaps perhaps something more, perhaps a bit more of a selfish question, not a selfish question, but more to help me out is what things do you guys want to learn more about? And perhaps things that, you know, you feel like you haven't had a lot of opportunity to dive into throughout dental school or, you know, as Richard mentioned before, like, or being really keen to start doing CPD outside um, once you graduate. Um, Is there something that each of you perhaps uh, feel as a new grad you don't know a lot about and want to learn and, you know, perhaps giving me some uh, tips or ideas for, you know, perhaps podcast topics we might look into later down the track <laughs> Love to help that. you guys because yeah. you know you guys are our demographic audience and I want to help you out in whatever way we can oh, that's great um Good yeah yeah Anushka would you like to start um yeah sure I think I think what you guys do so far and have done so far with Dental Head Start is actually amazing I think the content is honestly mm. so relevant for us um, and, and it's a really quick listen as well, like on the car drives back and forth. It's, it's really I'm nice. sorry, this isn't a quick listen. <laughs> yeah, not this one. <laughs> um, but I think... Thank you to anyone who's made it this far. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Listening to us for... Um, yeah, so I think one of the things that we probably don't get a lot of expression, Erica, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like things like speaking um, to treatment plans and just how to speak money to patients. I think a lot of us are obviously like, especially postgrad students, um, but also undergrads, have had a little bit of exposure in terms of speaking um, finances, but not a whole lot, especially not in the context of dentistry anyway. So I think just being able to, what, what we should do as students to be able to try and build on that skill from day one, to be able to communicate those treatment plans to patients effectively and without it coming across as a huge $10,000 treatment plan, you know, um, but but also showing them the value, what, what we're actually proposing and, and why they should um, or need that treatment. I think that's one thing that I would like to see. And um, I think something that something else as well is communication. I know that sounds very mundane and very basic, but it is something that's really, it is really important. And I think that you can never be the perfect communicator and I think we have such a range of students coming from a range of backgrounds but um, it always helps to know how experts in the field right now today communicate to their patients and what their little tips and tricks are. That's that's my two big ones I would say. (laughs) I think so. I would say that's probably a very good reflection of what a lot of students or new grads um, also feel where I feel like the biggest learning curve is just how to communicate with patients and how to talk money with them without like just cringing um, and you know being able to be confident and know that you are providing valuable treatment and it shouldn't be something that you shy away from or feel guilty about I think it's a steep learning curve from all of us but I think a very valuable um, part of the and like you know integral part of you know the profession yeah how about you Richard what what would you like um, I think it's kind of um, more medically related, but I think a lot of us don't really get to see medical emergencies so much in the chair unless you're unlucky. Um, but I guess it's something that we should 
keep in mind that it's, it's a real possibility that can happen to any of our patients at any time. Um, and I guess because we aren't exposed to it all the time, I'm personally, I'm not too um, clued in on what I would have to do if this patient is exhibiting this blood pressure or whatever. Um, so I think I definitely want to attend more like medication-based CPDs in the future just to improve my knowledge of how um, patients are outside of the dental chair and like what sort of conditions they have that could affect how we treat them in our clinic. Um, that being said, uh, I think this is like the start of our learning career really. And there's so much we don't know and so much we aren't really taught in dental school. Um, and yeah, I think for example, um, some of my friends at Griffith, uh, they get taught like Invisalign Go. I think it's like a very, interesting uh, range of topics that like each uni teaches and um, I'd definitely be interested in learning more about like clear aligners and stuff like that so yeah long journey ahead of us but yeah we're all, we're all on, the, on the way exciting. I know it's like exciting <laughs> exciting journey Absolutely. And I think what you said before about, um, yeah, like, look, I think it comes back to that whole holistic treatment of a patient where it's not just teeth, like there is a person attached to a person with feelings, emotions and other things going on. And, you know, sometimes we can be so fixated on just the teeth that you forget that now actually there's a lot of other things to be wary of. So I think that's a very, very valuable, um, yeah, route. Oh, no, not root. Let me think. <laughs> a, very value, <laughs> a very valuable area to be, you know, well-versed in. It was interesting when Richard said medical emergencies. Like, we get taught medical emergencies, right? But I feel as though, you know, I feel as though a CPD course, this is really very niche, but where you get thrown into the deep end and you have to deal with it. Because I know very few weeks after we had our Viva where I sort of knew my medical emergencies booklet inside out. It was fine. Um, I had a medical emergency in chair where one of my patients who was not anxious, he was fine. I'd seen him like twice before that was pulling out a supernumerary and he fainted. He passed out on me. Um, and I froze. I just didn't, I was just scared. And it was the first time it's happened. I froze and I feel as though whatever I did know didn't come out. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very confronting. Yeah. Yeah. Situation where that, so confronting. <laughs> you're the one in charge and you have to deal with it. And <laughs> yeah. at, at least in dental school, we have, um, help from our supervisors. Support, and, exactly. Yeah, so it's, I it would be good important. to have something like that. Mm. Yeah. 100%. Definitely. Yeah. Never yeah. underestimate the power of your DA at that time as well. Mm. For sure. Yeah. You're not alone as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Joe? What would you like to learn more about? I think at La Trobe, um, we're one of the few universities um, that don't get taught about teeth widening. And so I think that's an area that I'd really love to know more about. Um, obviously, after all treatment has been finished for the patient, I guess. Um, but yeah, really into more of that cosmetic side of dentistry. Um, learning about that would be amazing. And just I think there are a lot of um, different lectures and, and resources out there that will help you with that. I think another avenue is dental photography um, because I just remember I did an, an amazing feeling the other day but I couldn't capture it with my camera at all so it's just it's yeah so it's for me <laughs> um 
I think the last thing that um, I find that lots of dental students want to know more about is the business side of dentistry, just learning about what it's like to own a practice or what you need to do or um, what you need to have before getting yourself into that um, position would be really, really beneficial. Agreed. Wonderful. So I have money talk, medical emergencies, <laughs> whitening, photography, and business ownership as future what oh, I wish wow. I knew topics. Eh? <laughs> and and volunteering. And volunteering. Oh, yes. And Next volunteering. That, that needs to be a whole new episode on its own. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for joining me this evening. I know it's been a long conversation, but I had so much fun listening to all of you talk. Um, I hope you also felt the same way. And hopefully our listeners gain a few, a thing or two from hearing from you know, such vast and varied uh, perspectives. So thank you, Richard. Thank you, Anushka. And thank you, Jerry, for joining me tonight. Thank you, thank you Erica. Thanks, Erica. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.